Welcome back, listeners, to another Saturday review. This is your host, Corbin. Today, I'm going to be bringing you my review for three different things. Uh, for All Mankind Season 1 and Apple Plus production, Nomadland, which just dropped on Hulu yesterday, and Judas and the Black Messiah, which is a recent HBO Max release. Of course, these uh, two films are also theatrical as well. You do have the opportunity if your theater is showing these movies. I will be talking some spoilers in some of these. So if you haven't seen any of these three and you don't want them spoiled for you, then they're readily available right now for you to watch and check out and then come back and listen to my thoughts. Starting off with For All Mankind Season 1, that actually came out last year, but Season 2, the Episode 1 premiere just dropped on Apple yesterday as well. As of this recording, I haven't got to see it. I'm very curious to go back and watch it, though. So For All Mankind is an alternate history of the space race. What if the Soviets got on the moon before the Americans? How would that change society? Would it change it for the better? Or would it change it for the worst? And I really do like kind of alternate history type stuff, historical fiction. I really do like that genre. So this is what intrigued me about that. And the whole idea of um, space movies and space TV shows is really experiencing a renaissance right now. We got Ridley Scott's The Martian, um, Ad Astra recently, The Right Stuff over on Disney Plus is getting it. Over here, we're getting it on Apple Plus. So For All Mankind has a really great production quality, especially for a TV show. Um, they capture the vibe of the 60s and 70s. The stuff in space, I think, looks really good. And I do think there is some really interesting thoughts here on what happens when America comes in second. What happens when we stop kind of pursuing that drive to, you know, explore the world to kind of our God-given talents aren't being used to their fullest extent. And how is that going to change the world when communist Russia is the first one to take over the moon? So the performances, Joel Kinnaman, I think does a fantastic job. I always really like seeing his roles. Also Chantel Van Santen, who played Quinn in One Tree Hill. I'm a big One Tree Hill fan. It's great to see her here. She does a phenomenal job as well. Uh, Sarah Jones as Tracy Stevens is a standout. Michael Dorman does pretty well as Gordo Stevens. I think he's fine. Um, another standout is Ren Schmidt as Margot Madison. She does a phenomenal job. So there are some really great characters in this. And it's, it's exciting to see them um, kind of take on this historical context. Uh, Gordo Stevens was a real person in real life, seeing kind of what he brings to that role. So I do like the characters. Um, I like the show overall, sort of. It's 10 episodes, and each episode is about an hour long. So this show is very long. I felt like they it definitely could have been eight episodes or a little shorter, especially if they're going to clock it in at an hour in each episode. So the whole beginning of the series, I would say the first few episodes are pretty exciting. Unfortunately, the series does get bogged down in the middle with numerous subplots. Because while they're trying to create an alternate history, they're trying to anachronistically bring things in from the present and transplant them into the past, such as illegal immigration, gay rights, women's role in the workplace with men. All of that is brought into this context in the 70s, which is 
kind of interesting, but I just feel like they don't have much to say about it except just to create some kind of drama, some historical drama, because how gay rights were treated in the 70s, there really wasn't uh, much of that at all. Um, it was very much different. So unfortunately, I think the series really tries to juggle a lot um, between all of these things, between the space program and these lives of these individuals. It really does get bogged down in a lot of that there. I mean, the opening shot uh, the opening sequence in the first episode is this little girl who is an illegal immigrant who comes into the United States illegally, and she somehow gets to be at NASA and gets in on the inside and gets to kind of pursue her dream of being an astronaut. I don't know if season two is going to go anywhere with that. We saw one brief shot of her in there at all. Um, I think where this series really shines is with that alternate history, is getting to look at the struggle and strain on these astronauts' lives and the perils of getting to the moon and whatnot. Unfortunately, there's barely anything to do with the Soviets, even though they're the ones that get on the moon. It does fascinate me to think about um, building a moon base that, you know, what if Nixon wanted to build a base and now the space race has escalated into kind of an arms race as well. So there's a lot of thought-provoking stuff there. Judging by the trailer of season two, it looks really exciting. So if you enjoy kind of uh, spaceship type stuff, science fiction, alternate history, I think you'll enjoy For All Mankind. Unfortunately, it is a mixed bag for me, especially the whole middle of the series really gets bogged down in a lot of subplots that I just feel aren't important and don't go anywhere. And honestly, I don't really appreciate this anachronistic look at history kind of pulling that stuff in. I really don't like that kind of stuff at all. Um, I don't think it makes any sense to try and bring that stuff into the past. Nevertheless, I'm going to give this a six out of 10, a very mild recommend. I can see a lot of people probably not wanting to invest the 10 hours in this series. But once I watch all of season two, I'll definitely bring you a review of that. I'm very curious to see what they'll do with that. So Nomad Land is a movie that was kind of a darling of the film festival circuits. It's a Chloe Zhao film starring Francis McDormand. I heard nothing but just downright incredible things about this movie. It was um, Chris Duckman's review that um, got me intrigued into it. He saw it at the TIFF film festival. Um, I don't really know Chloe Zhao. I know Frances McDormand. She's a wonderful actress. So I was very intrigued to see this movie. People were saying it's going to be a triple threat of best picture, best director, best actress, and it's all going to be the year of the woman. The women would win at all, especially because of this movie. Nomadland is really good for falling asleep too. I think a majority of people won't like this movie at all. There's really not much of a plot to it. It's just about a woman who is kind of lost everything, and she's just drifting through the United States like a nomad, meeting interesting people, trying to kind of learn more about herself, learn to love, learn her place in this world just by doing odd jobs and traveling around and getting to see beautiful landscapes and vistas. So the film looks really good. Um, a lot of the actors, aside from David Strathairn, who is really nice to see in this movie, he isn't given much, unfortunately. Um, other actors aren't actors, actually. These characters are real people and they have 
some interesting lines, interesting things to do. Um, Bob Wells, I looked him up on YouTube. He really does have those YouTube videos. It's interesting. Their line reading isn't very good at all, unfortunately, uh, because they're not actors. There are some positive worldviews about taking care of your fellow person and enjoying life and nature. Um, there is also kind of this weird side of Mother Earth to it that's really not much explored, but it is still is brought up. And I will say there is a little bit that of that at the end of what is our connection to the divine? What is transcendence? Because the meaning of life is found in something greater than ourselves. And it seems to kind of showcase Earth as like nature as like where we can figure that out. But then at the end, Bob Wells seems to say something like, see you down the road. There is an afterlife that we have something to look forward to. Unfortunately, it's not really explored at all. And the movie just kind of ends. And I will be honest, I clock watched a lot um, with Nomadland because it is just kind of boring at a certain point. There is kind of a niceness to it. Uh, it very much made me think of the Flora Project or Patterson. I find those movies to be far better. I also recommend to you Nebraska. Um, if you want more of my thoughts on that, I did do a small written review over on Letterboxd. My profile to Letterboxd is uh, in the description below, so you can jump over and see that there. I, I really hope I don't see this movie at the Oscars. It does feel very much like Oscar bait, but I don't think it deserves to be there at the Oscars. And I know, I guess that's kind of a divisive thing to say. It has a 95 Metascore. It just was adored by the critics, but not by me. I'm giving Nomadland five stars out of 10 with a mild not recommend. Now, my last review is for Judas and the Black Messiah. I didn't know anything about this movie whatsoever. It just kind of seemed like to dropped out of nowhere. It's on HBO Max. I was kind of wary of this movie, honestly. Um, I feel like it is very popular now to make movies about race because of everything we have going on in the United States about race relations. I feel like a lot of films aren't very helpful. They don't progress that forward whatsoever. And as I talked about with For All Mankind, they're anachronistic. They're taking problems that we have now and then they're transplanting them in the past. Or more likely, they're taking problems of the past and then they're trying to apply them to today as if they're trying to just make us think that nothing at all has changed and it's almost as if we're watching a modern day film. Thankfully, Judas and the Black Messiah is not that. Uh, I was also worried because it is about Fred Hampton, who led the Chicago chapter of the Black Panthers. Now, the Black Panthers was a militant organization. I didn't know much about it, but I definitely knew that they were not good. And I was worried that uh, it was going to showcase some black militancy that was all about uprising and overthrowing the government in a positive way. Thankfully, that's really not the case here. Fred Hampton, the character, says it in the beginning. This isn't so much about race. This is um, Hampton was a complete communist, and he says we're not going to fight capitalism with capitalism. We're going to fight capitalism with socialism. So this, uh, I had no idea the Black Panthers were completely communist. I thought that was very fascinating. I'm also reading a book right now called The True Believer by Eric Hoffer, and it talks about the nature of mass movements. I found this film to be a very interesting look into how people can be rag radicalized and brought into the fold of a mass movement, whether that be, this is clearly a political mass movement, but there can also be religious mass movements, racial mass movements. 
Um, there's all kinds of interesting things to explore with that. And the film does a fantastic job with that. Where this movie really shines is in the writing. The writing is just downright incredible. I really hope to see it nominated for an Oscar for that. And then Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton gives just a powerful performance, an unforgettable performance that I absolutely think we will see him nominated for Best Actor. He deserves that Best Actor nomination. And possibly even Lakeith Stanfield as Bill O'Neill. He might get that um, Supporting Actor nomination. And it is kind of funny because both of these two characters were in Get Out and shared some screen time. So it's good to see them back here again. Um, this is a really powerful movie that kind of explores the good side of the Black Panthers, how they were feeding kind of children and taking care of the poor, but then at the same time, how the government abused its power and the government was trying to prevent violence, but then at the same time, they were perpetuating some of the violence as well. So this is a very nuanced look at a very troubled time in American history. Uh, it's a really fascinating film. I ended up loving the movie. I was completely engrossed and drawn into it. So for my first rating, my first watching of the film, I'm between an eight and a nine. I'm going to err on nine stars out of 10. It really is that powerful. I was really impressed with it. I think we're going to see it at the Oscars for more than that. I think it's going to be also costume design. I really loved the score of this movie. Um, it was directed by Shaka King. He did just a phenomenal job. So maybe he might even get a um, director nomination. So definitely if you haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah, which by the way, I just, I was kind of worried about that title also. I was like, oh my gosh, is this going to be just this all around sacrilegious movie that just paints white people as, you know, horrible racists and whatnot? No, it's not that at all. Thankfully, it's not that at all. Um, I was really surprised by that. And I do love how Fred Hampton is this black messianic figure to all of these people. And then there is that struggle and betrayal of Bill O'Neill's character. He is the Judas and he really does struggle with what to do. Jesse Plemons is awesome in this movie. He does get to that creepy psycho sociopath Todd version <laughs> at the end of the movie. Martin Sheen is great as Edgar Hoover under that makeup. This movie might get nominated for best makeup as well. Um, yeah, it's just all around an incredible production. I can't wait to see what Oscars it wins. So definitely check out Judas and the Black Messiah. Don't forget to subscribe and be on the lookout this coming Monday. Alan and I will be dropping our review for Gareth Edwards' 2014 film Godzilla. That is a part of our Godzilla vs. Kong series leading up to another HBO Max movie, Godzilla vs. Kong. Very excited for that one as well. And um, after that, we're going to be taking a break in between. We're reviewing both Tom and Jerry movies. As of this recording, Alan and I just wrapped on the first recording, our first review of Tom and Jerry the movie, which came out in 1992. We are going to be checking out the Taken trilogy and then wrapping up with those final two Godzilla movies. So listeners, thank you for coming along with me. I will be dropping brand new reviews of brand new movies every Saturday. I can't promise I'll always have this many, but nevertheless, I really had to talk about these movies. So I wanna know, what did you think of these? I'm, I'm curious and we'll see you on Monday listeners.
The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.